Seeing how God always gives us what we need when we need it and how we can look to him for that. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have not enjoyed the last month. I really have not enjoyed the last month at all. I have not enjoyed all of the needs that I've had in my life, needs I've had in my mind. Uh, I'll even share a funny with you. Uh, The way this stuff messed with our system, Uh, Brother Michael, I even had emotional needs during this time. Uh, Boy, I I would just sit there on the couch watching television with my wife and just start crying. I mean, this thing has just messed me over. Thank the Lord we're getting a lot better and I appreciate your prayers. But I haven't liked having all of these needs the last month. But I'll tell you what I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful that even though I had needs and didn't like having needs, that God had what I needed. And here we are a month later, a month after we left Lamentations, the message the Lord had provided for us a month ago is what we need right now. And I'm so thankful that we have a God that provides what we need when we need it. I told our teachers this morning, Brother Heath and I were meeting with our teachers talking with them about what we thought we might need to do here uh, just to uh, provide some added measures to keep our kids safe. And uh, I told them that uh, yesterday I was agonizing, just agonizing over having to cancel church tonight, just agonizing over it and didn't know what to do and uh, the prospect of canceling school and uh, went home and had dinner with Leslie and Miley and uh, after a while my heart was just too heavy. I had to come back up to church and just spend a little while in a season of prayer and knelt down there in my office on my office chair and it's amazing what serves as an altar sometimes and it was my office chair. And just begin to beg God for wisdom. I said, God, I, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to discourage our people. Uh, I know folks are not going to like having to be out of church tonight. And uh, Lord, I'd rather not go through all of that trial. And just give me wisdom. And my wife didn't know where I was and texted me. She says, are you okay? Where are you at? I said, I'm at the church getting a little bit of reinforcement. And what a blessing it was. I said, spend some time in prayer last night there in my office. And the Lord gave me during the time that I was there exactly what I needed to move forward with the decisions of what he wanted us to do. And I'm so thankful that tonight, looking in Lamentations chapter 3, a month ago, God gave us what we were going to need a month later. And I believe we'll open our hearts tonight. God will show us something that will help us. Now, could we all agree tonight, the few of us that are in the building and then most of us that are watching my live stream, that Lamentations could certainly be called a season of difficulty. Uh, The entire book is just a season of difficulty. Uh, This is why I believe the Lord led us to preach out of this, because we've been going through a season of difficulty. But as we read this book, we begin to see that God's judgment is becoming effective. The judgment that God is sending uh, upon his people is having the effect that God desires with judgment. Now, understand that when God allows chastisement or trials to enter our life, that God has a point behind it. Aren't you glad? Uh, that God doesn't waste those valleys we tried to preach about on Sunday morning. God has a point behind that. And as we go through Lamentations, we see that God's not being mean. Oh, the devil would love you to think that the trials we're going through is God just being a mean God. But God's not being mean. As a matter of fact, for the children of God, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 12, that God chastens every son that he loves. Even though they go through this season of difficulty, as we are not to be compared to what they're going through, God had a point behind it, and they're not going through this in vain. Now, here's what's interesting. While I was sick, going through what I call nothing less than pestilence, uh, and key in on the word pest, it is just a pestilence. As I was sick, the Lord brought to my mind Jeremiah the prophet. 
that even though Jeremiah the prophet did not ask for that and did not deserve what he was going through, I'm sure I deserve what I went through far more what he deserved what he's going through, Jeremiah also was not exempt from the pain of God's judgment. When God brought judgment upon his people, even the the prophet had to go through that. But watch this. Even though Jeremiah did not sign up for that, and Jeremiah did not say, I I want to experience, I would have, listen, if I was him, I would have said, Lord, get them. Get them. And sit back kind of like Jonah waiting for God to just destroy them in judgment. But no, Jeremiah went through that with them. That was his lot. It was not chosen by him, but that was his lot. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm going I'm to hurry tonight, but I'm feeling so much better. I'm so thankful to be alive. I could probably preach till 9 o'clock. I'm not going to do that. Knowing you can turn me off tonight, I'm not going to do that. But I want you to think about this. If we were going to put together a skit of the entire Bible, and we're going to hand out parts, and you say you get to pick your part, and we started describing to you some people in the Bible. I love these two. James and John, you know what they were called? The sons of thunder. Who wouldn't want that one? <laughs> I mean, the sons of thunder. What a nickname. I love, I, I, oh, yes, I want to be one of the sons of thunder. That's what I want to be. Or maybe John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Oh, I, I, hey, we're handing out this part. You're going to act out scripture. We have this part here. It's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who'd like to be that? We'd all raise our hand. Who wants to be the sons of thunder? You'd see that male pride come out real quick. I want to be one of the sons of thunder. But what was Jeremiah called? He was called the weeping prophet. We have a part here. We have a part here. It's the part of the weeping prophet. I'll guarantee you nobody would raise their hand for that one. Oh, yeah, I want that one. I want to be the weeping prophet. We wouldn't sign up for it as he didn't sign up for it. But this was his lot. This was the will of God for his life. And can I tell you something about Jeremiah? He responded well. He responded well to his lot. The song we talk about all the time, it is well with my soul. What does it say? Whatever my lot, whatever my lot, whatever God you have decided that you would want me to go through, and I know this piggybacks on Sunday night's message, whatever my lot, God, I want to respond well. I want to respond well. Now, folks, we're going through a difficult season, a season of difficulty right now. And my prayer is that we would respond well. This is not a lot I would have asked for. I told Miss Pam again today, I would love to pastor under normal circumstances. And I'm sure you'd love to be able to come to church under normal circumstances. But this is our lot. Back in January the 4th of 1980, when I was born, God knew that I would be alive in August of 2021, going through the pandemic, pastoring Central Baptist Church. This is my lot. This is the will of God for my life. And even though it's a lot right now with all this difficulty that we would not have chosen, I pray tonight that we respond well. So tonight, the lesson we're going to look at, if my voice will hold out, is the lesson of our lot. The lesson of our lot We may not have chosen the circumstances that are going on around us, but you know what? You don't always get to choose your lot, but you do get to choose how you respond to your lot. Tonight, I want to give you three rules on how to respond to the things that worry you. How to respond to the things that worry you. Now, remember, 
You do not always get to choose which lot you receive, but you choose how you respond. And I'm going to show you three things tonight the Lord showed me that I hope will be a blessing to you. And remember this, the Lord gave us this a month ago. What a blessing that God knows what we need and gives us what we need. Look down to verse number 39, if you will. You're about to see a temptation in verse number 39 when you start going and living through a lot that you would not have chosen. Watch verse 39. Speaking of the judgment and what they're going through here because of their sin, the Bible says, wherefore doth a living man what? Complain. I want you to notice the first temptation you're going to go through is probably the first option that you turn to, and it's the first option that I'm inclined to turn to as well. When God's lot for our life is not something we would have chosen, it's difficulty, it's a season of struggling. Now, notice this is a natural reaction. Uh, by the way, this is a natural reaction from our birth. If you have children tonight, or at least I'm sure you've been around children in your life, and at the very least you were one, at some point in your life, you were a child. And we see moms and dads when they take those, uh, those first few bites of baby food, and you have all of those different selections there. You know, you have the chicken and rice. It's just one color goo. And you have the, the beans and ham. And it's just another color of goo. It's just goo. And uh, I hope you pray over your food because we don't know who, what, what's in that stuff. And you take a scoop and you stick it in their mouth. And all of a sudden, you watch their face contort. You know, prunes. Who thought that was a good idea? All right, especially in the diaper stage, amen? Who wants to give a baby prunes? And you put it in their mouth and their face begins to contort. What's happening? Think about it. They're telling you, they can't talk yet, but they're telling you, I don't like what you gave me, all right? And then, well, you give them something good, maybe some vanilla pudding, and they like that. Why? It's a natural reaction for us when we have a lot in our life and experience a season in our life that when we don't like it, the natural inclination is this. Look at verse 39. Wherefore doth a living man complain? Now, can I tell you whether your lot tonight is difficulty because of a trial of our faith or chastisement because of sin? This first rule is going to be vital. You need to write it down. Rule number one, notice this. Resist the urge to complain. Resist the urge to complain. Let me tell you why this is important. I'm talking about when God's lot for your life is something that you would rather not have had. When God puts the spoon up to our mouth and he, he puts the prunes in there and it doesn't taste good and we don't like it, but we understand that that's almighty God on the other end of the spoon and as we want to complain about what God has allotted for our life, I want to encourage you tonight, if you're going to respond well, you've got to resist the urge to complain. Now, in order to understand why this is important, you need to understand what a complaint is. Let me give you the definition. A complaint is a statement of unsatisfactory circumstances. A statement of unsatisfactory circumstances. So when God gives us our allotment or God gives us our place that he would desire we serve and glorify him, and we don't like it, a complaint is when we're telling God, God, I'm not satisfied with these circumstances and I want you to change them. Is that not what a child is doing when you put that spoon in their mouth? I don't like this, get something else. Amen, I'm the same way. Yes, Brother Michael, toss me that bottle of water if you don't mind. 
Very good. Thank you very, very much. We might need that here in just a second. Now, let me tell you why this is important, that you need to resist the urge to complain. Number one, understand it's a physical, carnal, and natural urge, all right? The Bible says walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. When you come to your lot in your life and you don't like the taste of it, you don't like the circumstances of it, and you want to spit it out, the natural thing to do is to complain before God. God, I don't like it. It's unsatisfactory and I want you to change it. But let me tell you why you must resist the urge. Remember this tonight. We complain because we want our situation changed. But the truth is, oftentimes, God allows us to experience certain lots in our life because he wants us to be changed. We, we misunderstand this. We complain before God and we say, God, I don't like this. I don't enjoy this. And our temptation is to complain to God because we want God to change the circumstance. But God allowed the circumstance because he wanted us to change. And if we don't understand this tonight, you're going to miss out on what God's trying to do. I believe it was Sunday or Monday I put on my, my Facebook page a thank you to everyone who prayed for, for everything that was done for us. I just, oh, we felt so loved. We, I think the word I used was insulated. It just felt wrapped up uh, in all the things that folks had sent us and done for us and so thankful for that. But I, I posted Psalms 119.71. One, Psalms 119.71, I have to tell you, is one of the most jagged pills it is for a Christian to swallow. It's more like graduate-level courses in college. It's not elementary. It says it's good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You know, I complained a lot when I was sick. I didn't like it. I moaned, I groaned, I rolled, I tossed, I turned. If you, look, I complained in every language that I know. It, it was that bad. It, it was that bad. And I'm so, I'm so thankful I can smile about it now. Boy, God's good. God's gracious to us. You know, I could have wasted those three weeks complaining. God, I don't like this lot. God, I don't enjoy this lot. God, I don't like these circumstances. God, I want you to change it. Look, I want you to get this out of here. I don't like this. But you know what God was doing through my affliction? He was helping me learn something. Now, here's, here's a truth that you've got to get tonight. Complaining only postpones us from finding God's purpose in our problems. Think about that. All right. By the way, that's an original. That's not Max Lucado. That's an original Jeremiah Andrews. Listen, when we complain, complaining only postpones us from seeing God's purpose in our problems. We're sitting there, God, I don't like it. 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 God says, I know you don't like it. I'm not trying to change your circumstances. I'm trying to change you. You've got to resist the urge to complain. Verse 39, wherefore doth a living man complain? It's just a natural, natural reaction. But if we continually go with the natural reaction, Galatians 5 shows us we're not walking in the Spirit. Because when you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh and the flesh lust to complain. I think we would all agree, a hearty amen. Say an amen to your television. The last two years have given us a lot to complain about. New pastor, Amen. Brother Michael, I told Brother Michael, I said, I might need some comment relief tonight because nobody's going to laugh at my jokes because nobody's here. The last two years have given us a lot to complain about. And I honestly believe there's been a lot of Christians who've wasted this lot doing nothing but complaining. And they're missing it. 
They're missing it. God's like, no, 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 I'm not going to change the circumstances. I'm trying to use the circumstances to change you. That's why you can't complain. You can't, you can't, you can't follow after that fleshly urge. And I want you to think about Esther tonight. I think Esther, I think Esther resisted a little bit. I think it's very clear in Scripture. She was hesitant, at the very least, uh, to go in and, and possibly be executed. But finally, she realized, you know what? I'm here for such a time as this. I told Brother Ben today, I was talking on the phone with him and just had an encouraging conversation with him. And boy, I appreciate, I appreciate you folks who, who call and just let us know you're praying for us as we make decisions. It's difficult, I promise you. We do not take it lightly. I was talking with him and part of me wants to say, this is not fair, God. Two years and I think I may have three months of the normal pastorate. God, I'd rather not be on emergency mode. I told Brother Nate today, you know, that threat level they had after 9-11. I feel like we've been on code red uh, for the last two years. And I could spend the last two years saying, God, I just don't like my lot, and I'm waiting for you to change my lot. And God says, no, I'm waiting for my lot to change you. It's not what I asked for. But all of a sudden, watch this. You ever have a moment where the light bulb begins to flicker? It's rare, but man, it feels good when it happens, don't it? It also, it, it's, it's amazing when your wife notices it. That's just a double bonus. And all of a sudden, you realize, wait a minute, God knew I was going to be born January the 4th, 1980. He knew I would be pastor at 41 years old in 2021 at Central Baptist Church. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. God put me here for such a time as this. Hey, God wanted me here for now. Why complain about my lot? Why don't I capitalize upon my lot and realize I'm here for a purpose? But oftentimes, I think we only think problems come with the purpose of complaining. No, God wants to work through them. The children of Israel, they were world-class complainers. Uh, you won't find that word mentioned very much, but you'll find the word murmuring. I mean, they were a lot like four-year-olds in the back seat of our car. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm bored. Are we there yet? I mean, isn't that what they sound like? Read all throughout Exodus, Numbers, read about Joshua, read what these people were doing. But how many of those times, I want you to think about it, how many of those times when they were standing there complaining about their lot, the Red Sea, oh, you brought us here to die, uh-huh, uh-huh, that's what I thought, you don't know what you're talking about. And all the time they were complaining, they were postponing the purpose of why God allowed that problem and God allowed that problem to show his power. And the longer we complain about our lot, we're just postponing what God desired to do with the lot. That's why, number one, you've got to res resist the urge to complain. I'll give you another one. Elijah, 1 Kings 19. Remember, he had his little pity party under the juniper tree. I'm so thankful for times like that, Brother Nate. Because I've got juniper trees everywhere that I have knelt down beside and want to complain about. Had that great victory, and then he runs from Jezebel, and then he goes up to Mount Horeb. God begins to speak to him. And God looks down and he says, what are you doing here? And he says, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. What is he saying? I've been faithful. I've been faithful. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, I, even I, only am left. I love reading that verse because I'm like, my brother. Yeah, he's just like me. Lord, I, I'm the only one. God, I'm going through this trouble by myself. <laughs> Look, I'm not putting words in God's mouth. 
Four verses later. Well, let me finish the pity party. Here's what it says. I, even I, am only left. They seek my life to take it away. He's just sitting there complaining about his lot, and God's like, I sure wish you'd hurry. There's something I want to tell you, but go ahead. Finish your complaining. Finish your pity party. I got something to tell you when you're done. Four verses later. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. God says, I'm, 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 I'm getting ready to work. Shut up complaining so I can tell you what I'm trying to do. Now, folks, look, I am a world-class complainer. Ask my wife, Miss Leslie, say amen. Amen. I'm a world-class complainer. I like things my way. I want things my way. And sometimes that spills over with my relationship with God. And I'm tempted to complain. But listen, if we're going to see God work through our trials, we've got to resist the urge to complain. I've got to hurry in order to get done tonight. I read a story just today about a man who had a complaining wife. Now, I know none of our folks have that, uh, so let me tell you what it's like. She complained about everything. Uh, She complained about it when he wore shoes. She complained about it when he didn't wear shoes, complained about how he dressed and his clothes were wrinkled and complained about how he worked and how little money he brought in. And the only, the piece that he got in his life for the bow was he'd take his old donkey out there in the the field and plow. He says, look, I'd rather go out there and plow that field up in the hot sun all day than stay home with that complaining wife. One, I'm not going to tell you that Brother Michael just amen that, but one day he's out there in the field plowing And all of a sudden, his wife comes out with his lunch. At least she cooked him lunch. She comes out with the lunch, and she serves him lunch. And while he's eating, she just tore into him. Look look how crooked those rows are. What are you planting? You're planting corn? No, this year's the year for wheat. We need to plant all this. And complain, complain, complain. And after a while, the donkey just finally got tired of it himself. It's bad when you worry a donkey to death. And that donkey just popped her as hard as he could with his hind legs and knocked her stone cold dead right there. At the funeral... Husband was standing there by the graveside, and the pastor was standing off to the side. And he noticed that as the ladies would come up, the man would always shake his head as they were talking, always just shaking his head, yeah, shaking his head, yeah. When gentlemen would walk up, the man would shake his head, no. And he watched like clockwork. Ladies would come up, shake his head, yeah. Men would come up, shake his head, no. And he just got curious after a while. And he says, you know, hey, you know, when the ladies came up, you shook your head, yeah. And when the men came up, you shook your head, no. Can you tell me what that was? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the ladies would come up, they were talking about my wife and how good she could cook. And he shook his head, yeah. And how good her pudding was. Banana pudding was just so good. He shook his head, yeah. And he says, well, well, what did the men do? Why did you shake your head no? And he said, the men were always asking me whether or not I was willing to sell the donkey. <laughs> I'm thankful I have a few people to laugh in here because that would sound like that fell flat if I, I didn't have that. Hope you're laughing. The men were interested in that donkey. Why? Because maybe they had a complainer in their life. Boy, as I read that story just today, I thought any day now the Lord's going to drop an old donkey in my backyard because he's tired of me complaining about my lot rather than figure out what God's trying to do through my lot. Now watch close. They're going through a trial in Lamentations. The Bible says, Wherefore or why doth a living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins? He said he has no right to complain. Why? Because we're sinners. You see, the truth of the matter is tonight, we don't deserve the lot that we do have. We don't deserve the goodness of God. As sinners, we don't deserve the lot that we're complaining about. We deserve worse. 
The Bible says, why do we complain? We understand, listen, that the things that have befallen us, this judgment here, is because of our sin. Listen to me tonight. You may not be out there practicing as an abortion doctor, down there on the gambling boats of the casinos, and out there getting drunk with the, the, the dope addicts, but each and every one of us have had a part at bringing the judgment of God upon this country, which I believe this pestilence is. And folks, tonight we can complain about this, but the truth of the matter, often what we're going through is a result of because of our sin. It says, why does or wherefore doth a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? Do you know why I believe this is why Paul never complained? You see Paul pray. You see Paul ask for grace, but he doesn't complain. Do you know why? Listen to what the Bible says about Paul. 1 Timothy 1, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He realized he didn't deserve the lot that he had even when it was bad. Now, folks, understand this tonight. Number one, if we're going to respond well to the things that worry us, we've got to get to the place where we resist the urge to complain. So here's the question. If we can't complain, what do we do? Some people would smother. If we can't complain, what do we do? Well, go to verse 40. Let us search, try our ways, and turn again to the Lord. Notice, instead of rushing to reject our lot, we should reflect on our lot. It says here, verse number 40, let us search and try our ways. Instead of telling God why we don't like this, notice number two, the second response to our worry is resolve to pause and consider. Resolve to pause and consider. Number one, resist the urge to complain. Number two, resolve to pause and consider. The other day I was coming back from a visit in Purvis. Leslie was with me. And I forget which highway I was coming down. McDonald's over there on the right. I think I guess 589. And I came to the red light. I stopped. And then I turned left to come back home. But Michael, all of a sudden, all of these obnoxious people began honking their horn at me. And you can see these people waving their hands at me and honking their horns and I began probably calling them morons or jerks or something. That's usually what I do, you know. Watch where you're going, jerk, and all of this. And Holy Spirit number two is over in the passenger seat. And she says, did you realize you just ran a red light? I said, that's not a red light. That's a four-way stop. Did you know that that's, that's a red light? <laughs> I pulled up to the red light. I stopped, a complete stop. And then I took off and pulled out in front of everybody that was heading south on the highway. But do you know what I did? Oh, boy, the Holy Spirit's amazing how he brings this back to mind. I complained before I considered. Were those jerks honking at me? Hey, watch where you're going, buddy, you know? I've, you know, I haven't gotten a good scrap in a long time. And I thought, you know what? Going through this pandemic, this just might be it. We're fixing to have it right here, out here. And then my wife says, well, well, did you realize that was a red light? I don't have to worry about it. That's a four-way stop, and I came to complete stop, and they're complaining, honking at me. I got there first. And then I look in the rearview mirror as we drive away and watch the light turn green that I just ran that was red. You know what I did? I complained before I considered. It wasn't them. It wasn't the circumstances. It was me. It was me, it was me, it was me, oh Lord, running that red light. It was me. 
Watch, verse 39, don't complain. Wherefore, you have no reason to complain. Verse 40, let us search and try our ways. Remember old Ahab? Elijah goes up to him. Been having that drought going on. He says, art thou the man? Are you the guy that's causing all of this? And oh, the bold preacher says, no, it's you. He said, hey, this is your fault. You, you caused all of this, this, this drought that we're going. He says, no, it's your fault. Folks, oftentimes we complain about things without considering whether or not we had a part in making them complaint worthy. Oftentimes I complain about the way things are when I oftentimes was the guy who made them that way. Well, the number one reasons we worry in America, number one reasons is finances. Man, things just cost too much. I just need too many of those. No, look, it's not them charging too much. It's not them being willing to sell it to you. It's you, the simple fact that you spend too much money. It's not them, it's you. Now, I want you to notice something. Notice what it says we're to consider in verse 39 or verse 40. Let us search. That's the consideration there. Let us search and try what? Our ways. Do you know oftentimes our lot is just that? It's ours. Do you know the grief and the pain that David would go through after his sin with Bathsheba? That lot was David's lot. David was the author of that lot. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Oftentimes, our lot is our lot. And the Bible says here, watch this, you ought to search out what is ours. Oh, my goodness, it's so easy. That we come to a lot, we're like, God, I don't like this lot. We want to complain, God, it's them, it's them, it's them. They need to do this, they need to do that. God, they just got to do that. But notice it's our, he says, that we need to look at. You know, when Nehemiah came to Jerusalem, and boy, it was a wreck, a mess. Gates were burned with fire. The walls are torn down. People are taken into captivity. It is a wreck. And Nehemiah goes, mm-hmm. No, he goes, he prayed to God. Nehemiah chapter 1, read it for yourself. I am my father's house. He looked at the wreck, the lot that he was living in. And rather than complain about it, he considered, I had a part in this. I am my father's house. The prodigal son, there in the slop, in the mire, in the muck. What did he say? Those old rascal friends I had took all my money. Now, look, I'm sitting here in this slop because they left me high and dry. No, let me tell you exactly what he said. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. Him no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Boy, those three words right there in the middle of that verse are very hard to utter sometimes. I have sinned. I have sinned. My lot is my lot. And rather than complain about it in verse 39, why don't you consider it in verse number 40 and realize often what we're going through is ours. And let's own it is ours. Put it this way, if our problems don't include the guy in the mirror, you probably are the problem. <laughs> if your problems and everything that's wrong in your life does not include that guy that you shave in the, the mirror every morning, then your problem is probably you. 
Verse 40 shows us something else. Look, look what it says, something else we're to consider. It says, let us search and try our ways. Our ways. When you get to a lot, you're like, oh, this is a tough lot here. You know, I drew the short straw. I don't like this lot. Well, here's a question you ought to ask yourself. Was it following God's ways that led you there? Let us search and try our ways. How did you get to this place to where there's this heartache and this grief and this pain? Now, let me give you the good news, okay? Here's the good news. If God indeed led you to that lot and you got to that difficult place in your life because you were following the steps that were ordered by the Lord, all I can tell you is hang on because God's about to work. If you come to a place and God led you to a Red Sea and you're thinking, man, I don't like this lot, don't murmur, don't complain, consider what God's trying to do, search your ways, look back down at your feet. Wait a minute, am I following that yellow brick road that God led me on? Yep, God led me here. Be still. Be still. Why? Consider what God's about to do. But oh, wait a minute. You come to a lot in your life and it's grief and it's pain and it's destruction and you're looking around. Could I encourage you to do what verse 40 says? Search and try your ways and see if it was following God that led you there or following something else that led you there. You see, that consideration is what God is trying to do through the trouble. To just consider our ways, as the Bible tells us. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we know it well. The Bible says, in all our ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct our paths. If God's directing our paths, and it leads through that valley, then just go right through. He's fixing to do something in that valley, as he did in my family's life the last three weeks. But oh, what a horrific thought to be going through a valley and realize you're on your way through a valley, and it wasn't God that led you there. That's why you ought to pause and consider. Keep reading in verse 40, and we're going to hurry let us search and try our ways. Notice what it says. And turn again to the Lord. God wants us to consider what is ours. When we get to the lot, consider what's ours. What have I had to do with the trouble that I'm going through? And then consider our ways. And then God says, why don't you consider turning? Why don't you consider turning? You know, we read about the book of, of uh, the church at Laodicea in Revelation. And they're in bad shape. They don't realize it. As oftentimes we don't, do we? They're in bad shape. So how do you know? Well, let me tell you what God says about them. The Bible says they're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I don't know how you could get any worse unless you're an Alabama fan. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind. I'm just kidding, Alabama guys. I saw your preseason number one and we're like number 57 or something like that. They're in bad shape. And look, when God tells you you're in bad shape, you're in bad shape. God says, you're poor, you're wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. But wait a minute. What does he tell them when they come to that place where they're in bad shape? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He says, you in bad shape, man. You're poor, wretched, miserable, blind. Look at your lot. It's not a good one. And consider and search your ways and consider turning because as many as I love, I rebuke. God says, look, I'm letting you see the train wreck that you're in because I'm trying to turn you around. And I just wondered tonight if this thing wouldn't pass over a little quicker if we quit complaining and start considering what God's trying to do through this thing. But we're like, man, I just can't wait till this mess is over. 
It ain't going to be over if we don't consider the part that we played in this, consider our ways, and then consider turning back to God. So number two, how do we respond well to the things that worry us, resolve to pause and consider? And then finally, I'll close with this. Notice verse 41. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Now watch this pattern. God says, I don't want you to complain. You're wasting your time. You have no reason to complain. You don't deserve the bad lot that you got. You deserve worse. You don't have any reason to complain. I want you to consider in verse 40. And then he says, I want you to turn. So we looked at that. And then how do we prove to God that we truly understood what he was doing in the midst of our trouble? Verse 41 just simply says, lift up our heart. Lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. You see, our reaction And our response to trouble and problems and difficult lots shows us whether or not we were convinced of what God was doing. Our response to it. Number three. Number three. How do we do well with the things that worry us? Number three. Respond as one that's convinced. Respond as one that's convinced. Now, notice how we respond. God says, here's how you prove it. You can't just say, oh, God, I have really not liked this lot we've had for the last two years. God, it's just been painful. God, it's just been a struggle. We had to go out of the church building tonight. God, I just had like, oh, God, we learned our lesson. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. Notice, we proved that we're convinced by what God was doing by verse 41, by lifting up our heart to God. Why is this so important? Why? Matthew 12, 34, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I used to tell our young people all the time when I was a youth pastor and a children's minister, the heart is the steering wheel of your life, and whoever controls that controls everything. You control, listen, the steering wheel, you control the bumper. You control the steering wheel, you control the back seat. You control the steering wheel, you control the tail light. You get control of that steering wheel, you got control of everything. So what is God saying? Well, Proverbs 23, 26, the Bible says, My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. What does God want from us? He wants the steering wheel. He says, give me your heart. The way that you prove to me that the lot that you're in, the lot that I allowed you to go in was successful, is you prove that by giving me your heart. What is God wanting? Well, the way that we learn the lesson of our lot is simply this, by realizing that God has got to have control. Oh, oh, do you you know, look, we're not a perfect country. Our founding fathers are not perfect men, but I believe their intent was well, and I honestly believe they were doing their best by the will and the word of God to to bring about this country. I believe it was God-ordained, no doubt. And you look back, and things went so well. We had troubles, we had wars, and we had strife, but man, we were a blessed nation. But at some point in the line, we decided not to observe his ways. We decided to observe our ways. Okay, we got it now, God. We're 200 years old. We're intellectually superior to the rest of the world. We have the, the best army in the world, the best people in the world. God, we'll take it from here. And we took over the controls of the steering wheel for America. And now we have just near about wrecked it. You ever seen one of those old hoopties, Brother Michael, going down the road? Bumper flapping in the wind. Taillights busted out. Saran wrap on the back glass of the car. 
Uh, I mean, it looks pretty rough. Different size tires all the way around. It's just messed up. That car wasn't always that way. Somebody didn't know what they was doing, got a hold of it. And they messed it up. And you look at America, and America's becoming that old hoopty of a car tonight. All because we decided we wanted the steering wheel. And I believe tonight America is just about on the edge of a cliff. We're about to go over. And God says, look, quit complaining. Start considering that you may be in this bind because you took control. And it's time to give it back to me. What does he say, verse 41? Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. Oftentimes we reach worrisome times because we took control of what was God's. You know, this virus has brought a lot of questions out that I never thought I'd be asked as a, as a pastor, but Jeff and I were talking about that this afternoon. And you know, in the end, I can't tell you what the will of God is for your life on this subject or that subject. But God does have a will for your life and he wants you to know it. And he'll make known his will to your life, but we have to receive his will and say, you know what, I'm just going to do what God wants. I'm going to let him have the steering wheel. I'm so thankful in Matthew chapter 6, the Bible says my food, my clothing, where I'm going to sleep, is I'm serving God. If I will put him first, all these things shall be added. But here's what we do. We start chasing after all these things and we leave God on the back doorstep and that's when everything blows up. And God says, yep, how you like your lot? Pretty messy, destructive, heartache. He said, you know what the answer is? If you're truly convinced that it's you that led you here, why don't you give me your heart back? I believe tonight, honestly, and I'll close with this, the circumstances that we're going through just might be God trying to loosen our grip on what was his all along. God, God says it's a mess because you wrecked it. I didn't wreck it. You wrecked it. I remember years ago, I got into uh, remote-controlled helicopters and airplanes. And Miley was about, I don't know, three, four years old. I had them in my office. And she came in my office. We'd fly them around the office together. And I could land those things on top of her head. We'd fly them around. I could pick up uh, Hershey's Kisses off my, my desk. We'd fly them around the room. We just had a good old time with those. And Miley would watch and watch and watch. And she was like, let me try, let me try, let me try. You know, like we all are. I said, Miley, I'm a, I'm a skilled pilot, okay? I'm a skilled air hog pilot. The cheap one's from Walmart. That's what I would fly. And she would say, Dad, I can do it, I can do it. And I'd give it to her, and all of a sudden, she'd fly it against the wall, against that wall, and somehow it would end up in all of her long, flowing hair, and we'd sit there for hours and untangle the, the propellers out from her hair. And oh, it was a mess. You know why? Because she took control, messed it up. Why do you do that? Taking control, messing stuff up. That's the same reason our lives are in a wreck, and our country is in a wreck right now. And God says, I've allowed you to go through this lot because I want you to consider your part in it. It was you that brought you here. And God says, if you're truly convinced, you're not just gonna say, okay, God, mercy, uncle, I'm ready to get out of this. No, you're gonna give me back what's mine, and that's your heart. Give me back the control of your life. And here's the question I wanna leave you with tonight. Could it be the reason we're continually going through this? It's because we're spending all of our time complaining, none of our time considering, which would lead us to be convinced. 
there's just not enough people convinced yet that this is God trying to show us he wants our heart back. He wants control back. And if we'll just give him our heart, oh, God could do a way better job with this country than we could. The lesson of our lot, let's not waste our time complaining. Resist the urge to complain. Why don't we resolve? We're going to pause tonight and consider. Have I played a part? Our, me, my. Have I played a part in this? Have I been going my way, not God's way? And should I turn around tonight and repent and then prove that to God? God, I'm convinced I'm giving you my heart back. I can't run my life. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you and let God take control again of this country. Let's have our heads bowed. Let's have our eyes closed. We're going to stop there.